Welcome to the Major Gifts Fundraiser podcast with Clark Van Deventer. I'm Monica, and we're excited to have the opportunity to help you raise more money for your nonprofit than you ever thought possible by developing deeper and more meaningful relationships with your donors. This podcast is designed to get you thinking, to challenge you, to inspire you, and to give you some practical tools that you can use right now in your work as a fundraiser. If you hear something that you'd like to learn more about, or if Clark mentions a resource you'd like to get your hands on, just email me. My email address is monica at majorgiftsfundraiser.com. That's monica, M-O-N-I-C-A, at majorgiftsfundraiser.com. We offer a variety of services to nonprofits and development professionals, from DIY, that's do-it-yourself, to DWY, done with you, to DFY, that's done for you. To learn more, just email me at monica at majorgiftsfundraiser.com. All right, without further ado, here's Clark. Buenos dias. Hey, Clark Van Deventer here from Major Gifts Fundraiser. Hope you're having a great day. All right, I'm sitting here this morning at my home in Guatemala, Panajachel, Guatemala. It was an odd experience for me last week to take my first international business trip of my life to Orlando, Florida. I just never expected that, right? Like all my life I've lived, grew up and I went to college in Indiana. I've lived most of my adult life in California. I always thought that my first international business trip would be to somewhere like, I don't know, London or maybe Asia, okay, or at least Winnipeg, all right? But here I am living in Guatemala now. So the first international business trip I ever went on was to Orlando. How funny is that? All right, so it was uh, interesting to, to leave Guatemala and just the rawness of Guatemala and to go to just the land of, of corporate, right? Like, corporate hotels, uh, restaurant chains, and uh, gosh, what a what a tweak of the mind. But anyway, I'm at this conference and I'm speaking on a couple of different topics uh, that related to fundraising and donor experiences. And after one of my presentations, someone came up to me and asked me how our donors can know that what we're telling them is true. Like, how they can know that we're actually spending the money that we raise on the things that we talk to them about. And my answer to that question was very simple. They can't. They Now, sure, I guess in some cases we could have a donor who's very close to us, right? They, maybe they live in the same town and they see us doing the things, right? Like we... We are a school and they live in the same town as our school and they see teachers showing up every morning and they actually see our work. But if you're a national organization, if you run programs for youth in all over the country and you're meeting with a donor in Tallahassee, Florida or Cincinnati, Ohio, who's never actually going to come to one of your programs, if you're telling them these things, there's, there's no way that they can actually know if what you're telling them is true. If you're a fertility organization and you're, you're meeting with donors and asking donors to, to give money to, to help families have babies, I mean, there, 
there's really no way they can know if you're actually doing that. There's just not. Like you could show them pieces of paper with budgets, but there's no way they can really truthfully fully know if what you're telling them is true. They will base whether or not what you're telling them is true. They'll they'll base their decision on whether or not to believe you based upon the relationship. That, that's it. If you've established a real, genuine relationship with the donor, if you've established credibility and authority, that is the basis upon which whether or not they will determine what you're saying is true. So you're at college and you're out meeting with your small college in Boise, Idaho, and you're out meeting with your donors who live in, in Utah or Arizona or Indiana like there's no way they can know what you're telling them is true. They, they will base whether or not to believe what you're telling them is true based upon their relationship. Oh, sure. They may come to campus someday. Right. And maybe they'd have a better sense that what you're telling them is true then. But they're going to get to campus because of the relationship. Right. They're going to they're going to decide whether or not what you're saying is true based upon your relationship. That's why I talk with fundraisers so much about building that relationship, about listening to gift. And people like people who listen to them. Think about it in your own life. We all like people who listen to us, right? That guy who, who you're getting together with who's always talking, 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 right? Not not the, the best person in the world to get together with. Not your best friend, right? But someone who listens, you like that person, right? Think about it. How much do you know about Larry King, right? So Larry King, the great interviewer, CNN host for so many years. Like, how much do you know about Larry King? Not much, right? You know an awful lot, though, about his guest because he listened. And, and pretty much everyone likes Larry King, right? Larry King said, I remind myself every morning that nothing I say this day will teach me anything. So if I'm going to learn anything, I must do it by listening. So you're going to establish trust. You're going to establish a real relationship with your donors by listening, not by talking, right? And as you listen, they like you. As they like you, they come to trust you. All right. And then the things that you say, when you say this is what we spend our money on, they believe you. Right. Because you've become a trusted advisor. All right. So on that foundation of listening. Right. We're going to listen to gift. I want to talk about 10 other traits of trusted advisors. Right. That's your goal. You want to become a trusted advisor to your donors, not just the sales guy. All right. So 10 traits of trusted advisors. Number one. Trusted advisors are inclined to focus on the donor rather than, than on themselves, right? So they have enough self-confidence to listen without judging, right? When the donor's talking, they're not prejudging what the donor is saying because they have that self-confidence. And they have enough curiosity to inquire without presupposing the answer, right? Like, and it's easy, like myself, I've been in over 2,000 donor meetings, okay? So I can often think I know exactly where this donor's going. I've heard this before, 
but I, I need to be curious. I should be curious about the people who I'm sitting with today and, and believe that maybe they're taking me somewhere else. Maybe they're not going to say what I expect, right? And, and by focusing on the donor rather than on myself, I have this willingness to see the donor I'm meeting with today as partners on a great journey. We're going on a trail hike today, right? That's where, we're, like, we're going into some mountains, right? We're going on to some trails that maybe I've been on before, but this is a whole new journey because it's a whole new donor. And I, because I'm inclined to focus more on the donor rather than on myself, right? I have enough ego strength to, to subordinate my own ego to the donor, right? Like the donor is the star of this meeting, not me. <laughs> and sometimes our donors are willing to make us the star. They are, right? Like we're showing up, we're flying in from wherever it is we're flying in from. We're flying in from Washington, D.C., and our organization is an important organization in the mind of this donor. And so we're kind of a star in the mind of the donor, but a trusted advisor has enough ego strength to subordinate their own ego to the donor and make the donor the star of the meeting. All right, so a second trait of trusted advisors is that they focus on the donor as an individual, not as a person fulfilling a role, all right, which is to say they treat their donor as a human being, not a wallet with a human attached, okay, right? Like, don't think about this as a transaction. Think about this as a relationship and realize that the donor is a complete person. So matters that are discussed in a meeting, they go beyond and outside the organization and how the donor can help the organization, right? You know this donor is a human being. You know what their interests are. You know what's going on in their family. You know their dog's name, right? And you know their dog's name, not because you have a spreadsheet where you keep track of the, the names of all the dogs of all your donors, like you're some robot, Right, You know the name of your donor's dog because you have a real and genuine relationship. All right, number three, traits of trusted advisors. Trusted advisors believe that a continued focus on problem definition is more important than technical or content mastery. All right, so uh, a trusted advisor in the context of fundraising and being a, a rock star development officer for your organization. You understand that, look, it's great to know current IRA tax law, and it's good to know how many students went through your programs this past year. All right. But it's also good to know that that information is meaningless if you are not able to identify and respond to a donor's objections to giving a gift. All right. So content mastery, like great. All right. But you've got to understand what's the problem, not just be technically proficient. All right. Trusted advisors. Number four, trusted advisors show a strong competitive drive. All right. I, I think that trusted advisors are competitive, but 
but it's not so much a competitiveness that's aimed at competitors, but a competitiveness, competitiveness that is aimed at finding new ways to serve the donor. They are donor focused. Okay. So they're not worried about what other development officers in their staff are doing, like unless they can get a good idea from one of them, right? They're not worried about what development officers for organizations, for other organizations are doing. They are, they're competitive, but they're competitive in thinking like, how do I serve this donor? How do I serve this donor's problems? Right? So they're, they're type A, but they're relational. Okay, number five, 10 traits of trusted advisors. They consistently focus on doing the next right thing rather than aiming for specific outcomes. All right, so one thing that we do when we're coaching nonprofit organizations is we develop short-term and long-term moves management plans. So it's kind of meeting a donor today and realizing that this donor has significant potential. Maybe they're going to move onto our do all right. We, we call that the donor evaluation worksheet to do when they're one of our top prospects. We're giving them a do score. They're in our top 20 or top 50, whatever. And at that point, we develop long term moves management plans. Where could we see this relationship going over the next 10 years? Right. And so that gives us context and it gives a sense of purpose to the relationship. But. Trusted advisors have enough confidence to not become set on a specific goal. They let the relationship take its course. So I have somewhere I'm going, but I'm not set on it if it's not the next right thing, right? I believe in doing the next right thing for my donors and with my donors, All right? The sixth trait of trusted advisors, they are motivated more by an internalized drive to do the right thing than by their organization's rewards or dynamics. All right. So I, I call trusted advisors the Dalai Lama of their office. <laughs> you know, it's like nothing rattles them. They're cool as a cucumber. And sure, maybe their organization is given a bonus for, for some like number of meetings this month or how many calls you're making for meetings or, uh, there's certain fundraising goals. It's like I see this all the time with organizations where they expect, like they, they give a fundraiser a goal of how much money they're supposed to raise from their portfolio this year. And yeah, that that's out there, but, but trusted advisors are less focused on that number they're trying to raise than they are on just this internalized drive to take the next right step with their donor. And, and I love it when uh, development officers um, coaching, they're getting pressure from a boss to ask a donor for a gift or to do something with the donor. And I love it when the development officer says to their boss, well, I don't, I don't think Clark would say that, <laughs> you know? And it's like this organization, the boss has hired me and they're paying me to coach their people. And the boss is putting pressure on a fundraiser to do something. And the development officer says, look, I don't, I don't think Clark would say that, right? Because they're motivated not by these, these organizations, rewards or dynamics or metrics, but by doing the next right thing for their donor. 
All right, the seventh trait of trusted advisors. Trusted advisors view techniques and processes as a means to an end. All right, they are useful if they work, and they're discarded if they don't. All right, so trusted advisors are donor-focused, not process-focused. They understand that fundraising is an art, right? It's not a science. So, like, are there best practices? Yes. All right, are there things that we talk about? Like, are, yes. Are, are there trends I have discovered through more than 2,000 donor meetings and having coached scores of development officers in, in managing donor relationship. Yes. All right. There's trends. There's things that I've learned, but every person we're meeting with is unique. They're an individual human being. So best practices are thrown out the window if an individual donor doesn't respond to them. All right. The eighth trait of trusted advisors They believe successful donor relationships are tied to an accumulation of quality experiences. So so a trusted advisor never dodges or ducks an interaction with their donors, right? They're they're trying to have lots of interactions with their donors, right? They're they're trying to go see them as frequently as possible. If they're in the same community, Right? They're trying to run into them at the grocery store, okay? <laughs> or, or increase the number of students who are, are interacting with the donor. Or, or make sure that the, your board chairman, when he's at an event that your donor is going to be at, that he is running into this donor at the cocktail reception beforehand, right? Because successful donor relationships are tied to an accumulation of quality experiences, not like get the meeting, have the meeting, ask for the gift. It's an accumulation of these experiences. Trusted advisors also believe, number nine, they believe that selling is a form of serving. All right. So I sometimes have fundraisers say they've gotten too close to a donor. They can't ask for a gift because they've gotten too close. All right, but selling is a form of serving. The donor will get tremendous joy out of giving. So asking a donor for a gift is serving the interest of the donor. All right, and number 10, uh, in these 10 traits of trusted advisors we're going through today, they believe that there's a distinction. There is a distinction between business life and private life. But, all right, here's this is what's key. Both lives are very personal, right? Like we have a personal life, we have a professional life. We have a business life, we have a private life. They are both very personal, all right? The same rules that apply in our private lives also apply in our business lives. We become a trusted advisor to our friends in our private lives when we care about them. The same applies with our donors. We ought to care about them. And our most important donor relationships ought to become our most important relationships. Not, right, like, well, these are my most important business relationships. And these are my most important personal relationships. Right? Like, who are the, like, your professional life is a big part of your life, right? Like, You spend 
eight hours or four a day, 40 hours a week or more in your professional life. That's a big part of your life. So who are the most important people in your life? Like your spouse, your kids, your best friend, maid of honor from your wedding. Like these are the most important people in your life, right? Well, your donors are right up there. Like your, your two, three, four, five most important donors are going to be among your your six, seven, eight, nine, ten most important relationships in your life. Period. Not professional versus personal. All right. Like your most important donors are going to be, and ought to be at least, among the most important relationships in your life. All right. And all of these things, the thing that all of these 10 traits have in common is that we achieve them not by talking, but by listening, listening to your donors and asking strategic questions. And if you haven't gotten a copy of my strategic questions, my long list of strategic questions that I like to ask donors in my donor meetings, all right, email me and get a copy of my strategic questions. Shoot me an email at Clark at Major Gifts fundraiser.com. That's Clark at majorgiftsfundraiser.com. All right. I hope this has been helpful to you today. Uh, If uh, I mentioned anything that you'd like to hear more about, uh, you've got the email. Shoot me a message at Clark at majorgiftsfundraiser.com. All right. Thanks so much for listening. Hey, if you like this podcast, be sure to leave us a review wherever you're listening to podcasts. Five-star reviews, right? Five-star reviews. I'd really Really appreciate it. And if you have other development officers who you know in your office, at your organization, please recommend this podcast to them. Hey, do you wish your boss like knew this stuff that we've been talking about on the podcast? Recommend this podcast to your boss. All right. Hey, thanks so much for listening. Have a great day. Hey, Monica here again. Clark is always talking about mindset. He decides he wants to do something and he obsesses over it. It drives me a little bit crazy sometimes. But a few years ago, I watched Clark get really into fitness. He lost 100 pounds and people would ask him all the time how he did it. They wanted to talk to him about diet and were maybe a little disappointed, but Clark wanted to talk to them about mindset. And if you want to be a great fundraiser, if you want to do great things to advance your mission, you need to spend your mental energy and time thinking and talking about fundraising. Listening to this podcast is one great thing you can do. Also liking our Facebook page, Major Gifts Fundraiser. Just search for that on Facebook. You can also sign up at majorgiftsfundraiser.com to get email tips and inspiration delivered right to your inbox. If you're looking for something more substantial, Clark is testing a few new products with a small group of committed development professionals. To find out more about that, just email me at monica at majorgiftsfundraiser.com. Thanks for listening.